I'm mindful that tomorrow we celebrate as a country a very special day as we honor and give public thanks to the many veterans in our country for their years of service and generosity and selfless sacrifice in protecting our, our freedoms. And it seems only fitting this evening on the eve of Veterans Day to, if I could kindly ask any veteran who served our country uh, to please stand so we can publicly thank and honor you this evening. So could our veterans please stand? So thank you so much for your sacrifice. I think it's important to do that because so often uh, we don't always know who our veterans are and it's important to be able to connect faces with uh, the many sacrifices uh, so many of our men and women have made. Every once in a while, when I look at the gospel or the readings for the upcoming week, on a, on a good week, it's maybe five days before Sunday. On a bad week, it's a couple days before Sunday. On a really bad week, it's Saturday morning when I take a look at the readings. And every once in a while, I look at them, and I think to myself, come on, man. Right? I mean, this weekend, this first reading for the second book of Maccabees, you got people being tortured and whipped for not eating pork. I think there was somebody's tongue getting cut off at one point. I'm not quite sure. Then in the gospel, Jesus has this rather strange saying about marriage and remarriage and heaven and all this and I just think to myself come on we just had last weekend we had porn Sunday now these readings like give a guy a break like when can a guy catch a break is what I felt like this weekend but we're going to dive right into it we're not going to let this uh, go over our heads we're going to try to uh, really understand especially the gospel what Jesus is doing and what he's teaching here. And we're not going to dismiss it as being too theological, right? That's the easy way out. So let's not do that. Everyone, the gospel tonight begins with a very important debate. It's a debate between Jesus and a group of people called the Sadducees. The Sadducees, as we're told, were a group of Jews who denied the resurrection. They denied the resurrection from happening. And what they're trying to do in the gospel is trip Jesus up. It's kind of ironic because they deny the resurrection and then they provide this hypothetical situation that's very complex in which they acknowledge the resurrection. That's ironic, right? Because if they really didn't believe in the resurrection, why would they be saying this hypothetical situation that acknowledged the resurrection? Now, the Sadducees weren't bad people. It's not like I'm trying to condemn them as being evil, evil men. But the Sadducees, in many ways, denied the resurrection because they didn't understand the resurrection. And the reason they didn't understand the resurrection is because they really didn't understand what Jesus meant by heaven. So if you follow the logic, I know it's Sunday night, I know the Vikings are on very soon, but let's follow the logic. They deny the resurrection because they don't understand the resurrection. They don't understand the resurrection because they don't understand what Jesus means by the kingdom of heaven. Now, what about us? Do we fully understand 
and grasp what Jesus means by heaven. The gospel tonight provides one small glimpse into what he means by heaven, and he does so in a rather unusual way. A couple years ago, we had the Thirst Conference back in 2016, and on Friday night, there was a keynote speaker by the name, his name was Father Dwight Longnecker. Father Dwight had a rather interesting, has a rather interesting past. He had been an Episcopalian priest. He was married, four kids, and then after much prayer, study, and discernment, he and his wife converted to the Catholic faith. And then he was ordained a Catholic priest and allowed to remain married. When I went to the high school a couple days later, my students that had been at the talk were like, Father, I was at Thirst on Friday night, and there was this fake priest there. <laughs> he, he, he must have been a fraud because he's, we called him Father. He dressed like you, but he was married. Like, what's the deal? So I tried to explain to them as best I could the exception that the church offers in certain unique circumstances. That's a homily for a different day. I'm going somewhere with this, don't worry. But I mentioned that this evening because in my experience in talking about this promise that Roman Catholic priests and the Latin Rite Church make of celibacy at our ordination, oftentimes has this undertone in the questions I get. The undertone is this, that promise of celibacy must be so hard, so burdensome, so unbearable, or even worse at times, that, oh, you priests must be so lonely. I know a good Catholic mom, she doesn't go to this parish, <laughs> that told me once that when her kids were growing up, she would pray that they would not be priests because the priests that she knew were lonely and she didn't want her kids to be lonely. I think sometimes we all have that kind of inclination towards the mystery of this whole celibacy thing that we priests uh, make a promise of. The reason I mention this is because Jesus says something about marriage and he even points to celibacy in tonight's gospel. He says this, those who are deemed worthy to attain the resurrection of the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. What the heck does that mean? It means this, in heaven, you're all gonna be weird like me. <laughs> That's what it means. Let me put it even more simpler. It means that the non-physical love that a celibate lives on earth <clears throat> is a love that's lived in heaven. The love that's lived in heaven, everyone, is a non-physical union with God. And what my life as a celibate priest is supposed to point to is the non-physical union that's lived in heaven. I know we don't think of that. I know that might seem too, like I said, theological. But that's the whole point of celibacy right? That my life as a celibate isn't just about being more available to the people, right? We're all busy. I'm not going to say that I'm busier than any one of you. My life as a celibate isn't about some financial thing. 
But my life is supposed to, in any priest you know, his life is supposed to point to the fact that we are living out a sign of what heaven will be like. That it's a non-physical union with God. And so, may we be reminded that there is a more intense, a more intimate love in heaven than we experience on earth. St. Paul says it what way? That no eye has seen, that no ear has heard, the love that we experience in heaven. What God has prepared for us in heaven, we don't necessarily experience fully on earth. I've been around enough funerals where I hear silly things like, oh, right now, up in heaven, grandpa's playing 18 holes of golf every day. I sure hope heaven's a lot better than that. Or we say things like, oh, grandma, she's up there knitting with all her knitting friends. Really? I hope to God heaven's better than knitting. I understand the sentiment, right? That grandma and grandpa are doing things they love. But what we do in heaven is we love God and we receive love from God. In that union experienced in heaven, according to Jesus, can also be lived here on earth. That we do not have to wait to heaven to be close to God. That we do not have to wait till heaven to be in union with God. We can live heaven here on earth now. And it's a foretaste of what we will then experience for all eternity.